guest episode tonight with Dave, a.k.a. Rotosaurus. And tonight we're talking NFBC, SPs, RPs, Cs, and other abbreviations. Okay, time to GTFO, OMG, TTYL, LOL. It's time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Francisco Lindor that wins you championships. That's why weekend and weekend we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined again by Robbie from the Murder Room. What's happening, Robbie? You want to intro our special guest as you did off the top? I most certainly do. Welcome, Dave. Uh, Twitter at run DMCD. Yeah, add that D, baby. Otherwise, you'll be uh, getting the band instead of me. So, <laughs> thanks for having me. Tonight. Thanks for having me tonight, boys. Oh, so happy to have you on. Uh, yeah, yeah, happy to be here. We we talk a lot of dynasty, and as I had said to you a little while ago, Dave, we we seem to agree a lot on um, MLB players, way you go into drafts, a lot of fantasy related things. Even though your format is redraft based and we are dynasty based, the overlap is there. Sure. And I, I enjoy your conversations um, on Twitter and how aggressively people uh, come at you, which is always <laughs> a sign of their fear and also their um, willingness to go at you, uh, a known quantity. A lot of people will attack people with, you know, very few followers or nothing in their pro- profile or whatever, but yourself as, you know, an established um, NFBC player it's it's fun for me to sit, sit back and see from my dynasty chair uh what's what's going on when when people want to say hey you are wrong you know because people can say a test in dynasty and we're just like hey you just give me four years <laughs> <laughs> that is true i didn't think about that that's uh that would be a much better way to go about it you uh constantly yeah, giving man. yourself more time to be right about stuff but uh i don't know what it is man i i guess it's something about me um I think, I think it maybe doesn't, my personality doesn't translate to Twitter or something. I don't know, but like, I have always had people come at me. I don't, I don't know why it is, but uh, on the plus side, I do have a lot of people who come to me and say, Hey, you really challenge me on things. And I, I like that. Cause there's a lot of glad handing in the industry. And I really like the camaraderie of the fantasy baseball industry, but we have to be able to challenge ourselves, right? Like we can't all right. say every pick was great and, and everybody's right. And like, this is not how you improve as a fantasy player. And that's ultimately what I'm, I want to help people improve and become better players. Absolutely. Well, what, what was our t-shirt idea, Rob? I forget what we caught. We went over this one. Uh, there's the, I, I said it uh, in a tweet when uh, David announced his very busy schedule. I said there, there's the fantasy inner circle and there's the fantasy winner circle. And we like to be part of the winner circle more than the inner <laughs> <Right>. circle. <laughs> so, uh, cause yeah, like, like you said, it, it, it's great that people are supporting others that have podcasts that there are writers that, you know, have websites. That's awesome right. because we don't need to, there, there are enough other people who will, you know, attack. Um, we don't need to do that towards one another, but I certainly think having conversations, especially Twitter conversations are great because if you absolutely if you genuinely disagree, then it's a good conversation to have and others get the benefit of 
um, watching or trying to drop their two cents in as well. And maybe yeah. they can learn something along the way. So, um, which is again, why we like to have certain types of guests come on the podcast with us. Sometimes we like to talk uh, specifically, you know, college guys that are just getting drafted. Other times it's established podcasters and um, you know, our favorite type of person to have on is, is a winner and a drinker. So we've already talked about the winning. So let's move All on right. to the next thing. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Love that. There we go. Yeah. So what what is the, the drink of choice? I know you've got drinks of choice, which is a huge baller move. Uh, <laughs> but what, what, do you, what do you got over a there? A double fister from Dave tonight. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, so I went with uh, Woodford, uh, a heavy pour of Woodford Reserve. Uh, and then uh, I just got a, uh, a classic Budweiser as my, uh, as my beer after. Yeah, nothing says Kentucky more than those two options. <laughs> you're very that's very true See, that's why i enjoyed my trip to louisville so much the other uh last year i i love kentucky yeah, we do a lot of stuff for work down there so it's i i, I tease it i love it lexington is becoming one of my favorite places it's a hidden gem louisville is great it's the one everybody goes to right. lexington's the one that gets forgotten it's a bit it's in a little niche market it's it's pretty sweet um, i want to go on the bourbon trail over there yes so I work in travel, right? So um, oh, cool. part of it was when I went down is I got wine and dined at all of the different ones. And, and the guy that runs the tourism group down there um, is a bourbon like aficionado, knows it all, talked history forever. So it was a really cool experience to do that tour. So I learned a lot and it's actually kind of the birthplace of my bourbon habit, to be honest. Wow, that's awesome. So Robbie, I, I, I'm going to ask... And our listeners are going, okay, I know what Rob Yeah, we I already know what he's going to say. I've even got like a, the 12-pack sitting right there. Uh, you guessed it, everyone. It's Waterloo Dark yet again. Uh, <laughs> I'm still drinking it. And, uh, I, you know, the kid and I today, we started making an outdoor rink. And I said to him, uh, you know, we, we got to go around the corner. <laughs> I said, we, we got to go around the corner. Uh, Daddy needs you to shovel by the window again. So that's what he did. He helped me and shoveled by the window. And... Um, yeah, so we're we're not only building a backyard rink, but we're uh, we're we're building up the ref the outdoor refrigerator because it has been cold. Like we've been double digits. Uh, like what is it right now? Minus fourteen, I think, right here. Holy um, hell! Minus that's on, that's on minus the Celsius 12. side. So yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's oh. not on the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're and we don't have too bad a wind chill right now. But I'll wake up tomorrow and it'll be minus fifteen. I mean, I grew up in a town. Wow where if it was minus 40 Celsius, they didn't run the school buses. Um, so, you know, that that's Northern Ontario, my friends. We're not, we're not making baseball players up there. We're making fantasy baseball champions. Uh, you, <laughs> you don't have enough year to play. <laughs> a lot of hockey players there. I'm oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that was my big thing was hockey growing up. So, okay. Okay. But uh, here I'm just, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that's like the one sport I never really played growing up uh, in Cleveland. It's not uh, hockey isn't really a. I'm not to say that nobody plays it here, but it's not a big thing. Right. Well, that that makes sense, I guess. And I know in Michigan, I think 
I can't remember exactly what it was, but I worked in Michigan at, uh, in Gaylord, Michigan for a summer. And they used to talk to me all the time about curling. And there was one guy who curled oh. and he's like, there's only two curling rinks in the state. And I live five minutes from one and I curl I'm like, <laughs> good for you. And I never really cared, but Ty is a big curler oh, okay. um, and all he right. would make the connection. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh geez. What is so that? Ty, Ty's holding up a, a, a curling mug <laughs> for drinking. That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> Let me guess. That's... Is that uh, green tea, Ty? It, it is green tea with a lemon. So I oh. found this new lemon version Brutal. and it's like, it's good. I mean, we've got a newborn in our house, Dave. So like when we get past seven o'clock, like caffeine needs to be refilled. So the green Fair tea enough. hits, hey, it, hits I, it hard. I feel you. I mean, not on that, but I mean, I've seen people have kids and it looks like it looks miserable. <laughs> I've, I've heard about children in full man. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who have kids and it, it, it really makes me um, rethink my life plans. We'll put that way. <laughs> you know what? It's more fun than it looks, though. I will say that. Like, no, yeah, I yeah. no, I I do love kids. I'm just playing, but <laughs> so, I like to be uh, Uncle Dave. I like to come play and then be able to leave and go home. See, see the challenge is being that same thing, but as a father. Right. Right. That's the real that challenge. Be, that is the challenge for sure. <laughs> so, Robbie, let's kick into this here. I know you've got some questions lined up to get us the law balls to get started here so kick them off yeah so so the new the new opener that we we're going to try out is called batting practice um, yeah i and, saw that and and i like it so it'll be kind of you know yes no answers and and once we wrap it up um just like batting practice if you want to go into detail on anything we can certainly circle back so you know single words not single words single uh, sentences let's see if you can do this so um okay. The first part is uh, trust roster roster resource in the off season. Yes or no? No. Um, uh, the preface to this next one here is you are uh, in the presence of the president of the Tyler O'Neill fan club. Uh, oh, it, it is not me. Tyler O'Neill. Yes or no? <laughs> it depends on what you need, but I mean, in general, no. Uh, an MLB baseball player. <laughs> I... <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's an MLB baseball player. Sure. All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, auto draft. Yes or no? No, never. Okay. Julio Urias is a goat. <laughs> <laughs> yes or no? No. And I don't mean his eyes. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> what? Um, uh, Tyler, Tyler Naquin, take a flyer. Yes or no? I mean, if we're talking like, you know, towards the end of a draft champions, 50, 50 round draft. Sure. Why not? Okay. Final one, and then you can go back to any if you feel necessary. New York is New York Yankee rotation riskier than the six man Seattle rotation? Yes, absolutely, it is. Um, I mean, there's more talent there, but there's a lot of playing time risks there. I mean, they better have like three or four guys lined up to come in after those guys because they're, I mean, you've got like what five Tommy John surgeries in that rotation between them. I mean, shit, Tyon has two of them himself. So, uh, and that's more than he does testicles. Oh, God. Oh. Low blow. Low blow. Low. But, I mean, I guess it doesn't count as – is it half of a low blow since he only has one testicle? <laughs> he is a Canadian. I will say that. He is a Canadian, uh, and therefore he can both take the joke and he's still probably, you know, he can smack enough with the one nut that uh, we shouldn't be making fun of it. Um, so, Tyler O'Neill, let's very quickly circle back. Because yeah. of the Dexter Fowler leaving St. Louis um, – it appears as though it's it is a now or never situation for Tyler O'Neill to be a legitimate MLB guy. Ty has been all over Man Dynasty now for multiple seasons. 
because yeah. he was the high power prospect, but we haven't got to see it translate. Part of that, of course, has been the fact that with St. Louis competing, they won't let him go through a crappy yeah. streak to work through it. So do you see Tyler O'Neill as a 400 plus at back guy? I mean, that's, that's, that's right a regular now, guy, right? A regular playing yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, as of right now, you kind of have to like, who else do they have there? I mean, it, right now it looks like him and Bader are scheduled to both start. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels like they don't want both of them to start, maybe one of them, but I don't know. Um, after signing, you know, Arenado, it seems like they're or trading for Arenado. It really seems like they're trying to go for it. So it wouldn't shock me to see them add somebody else, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a useful player. It's just the the low contact rate and the high K rate. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't think, I think the power's legit, but he's not like a stat cast monster either. But um, I just think that you're probably looking at like a 235, 240 average. And I just, I don't know how much value that has. And he doesn't really hit lefties very well. Uh, I mean, he only has two of his 21 career homers are against lefties. So um, I would say he's a, he's a strong side platoon at best, I would think. Right. Um, but yeah, Ty, why don't you tell me what you're seeing in him that you like? Well, so why is I'm Dave gonna, wrong? I'm going <laughs> to trap you with a question first, because Ooh. I've been thinking about this all day as a trap and it's a okay. great trap. More oh. home runs in 2021, Tyler O'Neill or Nolan Arenado. Oh, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Arenado, but not by a lot. And I, cause I'm definitely, I'm fading him. I mean, he's not a guy I targeted even when he was healthy. And now with the shoulder injury, I definitely don't think he's healthy, but you could, it could easily be O'Neill there. Cause if, uh, if shoulder impacts a, a hitter's strength and, uh, that could have some, uh, some severe repercussions this year. Yeah. For me, O'Neill's got way more in the tank. Like first off, he, his defensive numbers are strong, right? So we talk about this all the time. Like when it comes down to a coin flip, pick the guy that plays good defense, right? And so He's Bader, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bader and O'Neill are both going to play. Like, you know, who's going to take the job? Lane Thomas? Like, come on. Like, it's not nobody happening. on their roster right now, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, th- I think the mere fact that they, they ousted Fowler says that they believe in it. And I've always said this to Rob, and Rob usually rolls his eyes at me, but the Cardinal players almost never just come onto the scene ever. Like it's just never how they roll guys out. So for me, this is a guy that I'm, I'm still going to put high hopes on. And you know what, if I have to die on this hill, like he, he can join me and Greg bird. (laughs) Well, I mean, of all the slow plays, the, the Cardinals are setting the tone with Alex Reyes and Tampa Bay is right behind them with Honeywell. You know, it's like, how long can we make this guy a prospect? And, and as soon as Reyes, you know, laps that 50 or hit 50 innings pitch, I think everybody who has a prospect list was like, thank God, get him off my list. Now I don't need to worry about off. You go to redraft. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I want to know about Julio Urias being a goat. Uh, Are you a huge Julio Urias guy? Yes. Okay. Um, So so tell me about that. I, I love the fact that he was with the Dodgers three years ago and came up when he was what, 20, uh, and then, you know, thoracic outlet and you got to you got to give time for him to come back. But I felt like he came back so well. But the Dodgers being the Dodgers so deep, always so competitive, never have have had to push him for you know a starter when they needed him. But then after right. the World Series last year, he just proved to me that he can just dominate for you and he doesn't need to do it for 18 outs. But he certainly could. You know, he could easily be a 16 or sorry, a six inning guy if you gave him the opportunity, but I feel like 
he's in this position right now where um, there there's the potential that he might even end up in the bullpen as like the right. Andrew Miller circa what 15, 16 guy. Um, and it's my, my biggest fear for him. And I just think like, I don't want him to be traded because I love where he is. I love, I love what he does. Um, you know, he had the off field issues that uh, the Dodgers are, you know, doubling down with Bauer. So they clearly don't care about uh, anything but performance on the field, which, you know, leave that, leave that to the side. But um, Urias for me is somebody who in dynasty, like I, I forget exactly where I ranked him, but top 15 uh, over the next five years, assuming he's going to pitch, you know, because I felt like after last year, the slate got wiped clean for a ton of guys who were going to struggle to be safely in the 150 inning range. And now everybody is kind of on the same boat where you should only be pushing them roughly the same amount. Now you've got the guys who are going to be 30, you know, the Lance Lynn's of the world who are going to say, just let me go until my arm falls off. I want to pitch every fifth day um, or the Trevor Bowers are going to say every fourth day, but um, you know, you got, you got these managers who are probably going to be in a position this year where they're going to be pulling guys stupid early to try to get eight more starts. We saw it firsthand with Aaron Sanchez and it was ridiculous how they, you know, they cut his innings or let him start cut his innings, cut his innings, and then threw him in the bullpen. And then uh, he came out, I think the next year and, and was okay to start and then just fell off a cliff. Um, and I fear for that with your ace, but I feel like he's got all the tools to be one of these like locked in guys. He just needs the trade to Milwaukee. You know, he needs somewhere where it's like, okay, you're SP two go. And I feel like that's yeah. what he could do. Well, I, uh, I think one thing, Rob, just to jump in really quick that, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I've talked about the lefties in LA before, right? Alex Wood was the guy that everyone's like, oh, he's going to be in the rotation. Sorry, that's not a good fit. I, I feel the same way going this season, David Price. Like, you know, you talked about Tyon and Kluber. Like, I, I'm, I've been saying this for years that the minute Price's velocity falls off, the rest of the stuff does not play, right? It just doesn't. It's not good enough. So for me, like, I don't think there's as much resistance to get Urias in the lineup as people think um, you're one an injury away or you're two David price being whatever that David price in Boston was away. Right. So, you know, that, I, I really don't think there's as much risk, especially for dynasty players. Again, you know, there is a slight difference between going all in for this season and Hey, yeah. we still got two or three years on, on this right. fit, but, but I, I I'm with Rob though. The, the stuff's there. It really is just a matter of whether you can keep that fastball down. That's the thing that's been problematic for him is he leaks just a little bit when he's trying to punch the bottom of the zone and he gets pumped when he does that. So if he can stay out of the middle, he'll be fine. But the rest of it is in my books. Good to go. Yeah. Um, and coming at it from a, from a, this year perspective, I, I, you know, he's a guy who I cross off my list. I have zero interest in, um, right. I you know he's, He's never pitched more than 120 innings in his career. I, I know that he came up when he, was, when he was 19 and he's only going to be 24 now, but I mean, it's clear that they don't want to give him a huge work, workload. And I wonder what the reason for that is. Um, but I, it's definitely not going to come in 2021, but looking at it from a, with a longer lens, um, you know, I, I guess my concern is, you know, what about the strikeout rate? Cause like last year it was, it was buoyed by his uh, relief appearance, you know, right. uh, and, uh, or sorry, not last year, but 2019, rather, you know, he was, you know, nine, nine, nine and a half K per nine last year was down to seven point seven, like less than seven and a half K per nine um, in, you know, granted it was only 10 starts, but um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think he has to drastically cut down his fastball usage and develop those off speed pitches. He's throwing way too many fastballs to be a, to be a top, top tier starter. So 
Um, he certainly has the stuff. He, he can do it. I just wonder if there's reasons why they're not letting him go. Um, it seems like there's something that they don't trust about uh, either his repertoire or his, uh, uh, his durability over, this, over a long season. Well, I think one thing on the strikeout rate, like the curveball was way down, way, way, way down. Um, that's one of his big out pitches. And I think that just comes down to the velocity bump from out of the pen, right? So, you know, the fastball slider matchup in a one inning, give it everything you got, or two or three inning, give it everything you got is a lot different than throwing six or seven innings, mixing up velocities in different at-bats, right? So I think the thing that I'll look for, and for you in a one-year scenario, like look for the buy in the season, right? When he does end up in a bullpen and the, the likelihood of him pitching out of the rotation later is high. So if you see that curveball spike, like even if you're in dynasty format and you see that curveball spike early and people are down on him, go get him because that'll come back around towards the back half of the year. Uh, if that pitch mix is a little more balanced, like you're saying. You know, he ended the year, uh, I mean, in the playoffs, closing out games that it really kind of speaks to their lack of confidence in Kenley Jansen, who was looking really shaky going into the playoffs. And I mean, it showed all throughout the playoffs. And I, I wonder if they might, I mean, they have Bruzdar Gratterall there and they didn't go to him. Um, you know, it, it's, they clearly trust him. And I wonder if they think that he does have a future as a closer instead of a starter. So it'll be interesting. He would be the second best Mexican starter in MLB right now to Mr. Roberto Osuna, if that happened. Closer. You said, you said starter, but <laughs> oh, closer, I said starter. Yes. My apologies. Starter, closer. They're all very well, similar. Yeah, yeah. They both throw baseballs. And, um, and neither of them are set up to close right now. Just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, there are other similarities involving things we don't need to get into as well between those two guys. Um, uh -oh. <clears throat> so Dave back on topic here, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as the batting practice session ran long for us, what brought you from fantasy dominator to podcaster? And for anyone who doesn't know, um, Rotosaurus is your podcast. Yeah. Uh, high stakes heat. Yep. Yeah. High, high stakes heat. Thank you. Um, make sure you find them and, and you guys are widely available everywhere. I listen to every, Apple. Every you guys platform. are there. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're across the board. Um, but what brought you from a player to a podcaster? Yeah. Um, so literally like a year ago is kind of when I came onto the scene. I mean, I've been on Twitter for, you know, I don't know, eight years or 10 years or I, I don't even a long time, but I never really got, you know, out there in the community. Um, I've been playing high stakes uh, for about 15 years now, actually. So um, like, you know, last year uh, I was tweeting some stuff out just to see, you know, I only had like 250 followers or whatever, but uh, figured I'd put it out there for whoever was happened to be following me. And then my friend Vlad, you guys know Vlad Sedler, Roto Gut. Um, he, he and I played high stakes together for a long time. We actually both played CDM back in the day before high stakes even. So um, yeah, we met up in Vegas and, uh, you know, became friends and he, he started retweeting me and I started like the Vlad bump is real, man. Like he starts retweeting you and you get like, like 400 followers in like a day. It was crazy. Right. So um, so then once, once that happened, uh, you know, there's a little mo momentum going in, um, my podcast partner, Jake Callister, um, who, uh, is an accomplished high stakes player himself. And, uh, you know, part of our, our little consortium group, uh, the four of us were all like all really close friends. We talk about baseball constantly, but he and I have been taught, he lives like 15 minutes from me. He and I've wanted to do a podcast together for years. And, uh, 
you know, kind of his old house wasn't really conducive to it. And I live in an apartment. So we didn't really have the right space for it. So he just moved into a new house and he had his own little private office. And so we're like, okay, now's the time we got to do it. We bought, you know, some, some good uh, high-end equipment. Uh, we're like, all right, if we're going to do this, let's, let's do it. Um, and, you know, we, we have a really good rapport with each other because we've known each other for, you know, over 20 years, uh, like 25 years, something like that. And so, uh, you know, it's, it was just, uh, it was a natural fit for us. And, um, you know, just kind of sharing our thoughts. Uh, a lot of it's, it's very like evergreen strategy related stuff. It's not just throwing out stats. We really felt like there was a hole in the industry of, uh, you know, there's a lot of focus on stats and, and that's important and everything. But there's only so many, you know, podcasts I can turn on and listen to someone's, you know, expected Con Woba on contact and stuff. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I want to hear what's going to make me a better player. And so that's what we want to bring to people. And we've had a lot of experience playing over the years and uh, it's what we love to talk about. And uh, it's kind of that other side of things that, that people aren't as good at. Um, and I think it's why a lot of the projections people sometimes struggle uh, as fantasy players. Uh, they they kind of lack the ability to build a cohesive uh, team, uh, roster construction skills, risk assessment. So many people ignore risks. It's it's insane. It's it's probably the thing that gives us the biggest uh, edge over our competition because you know while other people are drafting Chris Sale, I warned people two weeks before he he was uh, suffered a setback. I said, hey, if you're taking Chris Sale, make sure it's like you know second last round of a DC or something where you've got 50 guys on our team, don't be taking them at his ADP. Like it's, it's insane. Uh, people always think that when a guy's hurt, they're going to come back and be their healthy, you know, hundred percent self. And it doesn't work that way. I mean, it depends on the injury, but if you're coming back from Tommy John, no way you're going to be rusty. They're going to, they're going to baby your innings. I mean, you're going to, you're going to start skipped. Your stuff's not going to be there. Your velo is not going to be there. People don't think about that though. They always want to think about, what's the best case scenario and, and right. you need to be more realistic. And so, you know, a lot of what we talk about is kind of trying to bring that to the forefront um, and kind of share our, our experience with people and trying to help them become better players. Excellent. On that point um, you said, you know, high stakes heat. What do you consider high stakes? Because I have had some uncomfortable conversations with people <laughs> trying to define um, high stakes so what is high stakes in your view for the podcast view or your yeah, podcast view? Sorry. It, it is kind of relative, right? Like, you know, there's, there's $150 leagues, which would, which we would consider lower stakes that other people would consider high stakes. Um, I, I think, I think the majority of people could agree that like, you know, somewhere in the vicinity of like a thousand dollar entry fee, that's, that's high stakes. Um, yeah. The NFBC main event is 1700. The super that I play in is 2,500. Um, you know, there's Yahoo Pro leagues that I enter that are a thousand. There's fan, uh, fan, fan tracks leagues that are a thousand. Um, but even if you're doing like 500, I don't know, I'd consider that somewhat high stakes too. So um, it, it kind of depends on your budget, but I would say, you know, 500 and above, but definitely a thousand. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that was the thing I had. Somebody was trying to tell me they were looking to start a high stakes league and it was $200. And I said, just so you know, that's not going to be high stakes to most of the people who you say high stakes to. And the, right. the conversation went the wrong way on it. And I just, <laughs> I felt bad because I wasn't trying to say that like $200 right. is still a lot of money, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and I've in got some dynasty places, leagues. Well, in that, some places that, that might not even buy you a good stake. 
<laughs> but a thousand dollars will always buy you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That should be the defining feature right there. Like, does it buy you the best steak? Ty, I think you just uh, created a new definition there. High steak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Gotta be no. the same price as a as, as, as a steak. Yeah, join our Wagyu League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how you can define it, right? Yeah, you've got so there's Wagyu, and then you can, I'm a chef by trade, so I you can break it all the way down to. Oh no, food. shit! Are you really? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. When when people aren't sick, you know, as I tell my son, yeah, when people don't have germs, that's what I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so so sticking here onto yeah. um, play, and then and now onto. Uh, format. So do you have a favorite format to play, you know, whether it be points, roto category, head to head, uh, best ball, <laughs> just kidding. Best ball sucks. But um, a- any of the others, um, what's the one, if, if you're sitting down prepping for something, your ideal prep is surrounded or, you know, surrounding what? Yeah. The, ever since I've played five by five standard roto, that's all it's been for me. Like it's been a, it's been a love affair for me. I, I can't get away from it. Um, you know, if you try to change a category or go to points, um, I don't like having to change what I'm used to. I mean, especially like if you're an expert in a certain format and then you're putting me in a different format, now you're asking me to put my money on the line in something that, you know, you're making changes on me and I don't know, you know, why, why gamble with what I don't know when I can right. gamble with what I know. Um, I, you know, People can play whatever formats they like. Uh, this is just me speaking for me personally. Um, it's it's five by five standard roto, uh, and that's that's really all I like to play. And I kid on the best ball, of course. We know there are a lot of people who are best ball players. That's their preferred format. I'm, I'm still I, learning it. I've never played best ball, so I, you know, Brian Seymour. Uh, I'm about to go on with him for the second time uh, in, next week, and uh, I'm trying to learn because I. The great thing about best ball is you don't have to do shit. Like right. you, you draft your team and You're then done. hopefully you make money. <laughs> like yeah. two steps, draft team profit. You know, you normally it's draft team, manage team, you know, fab, pick up guys. Like there's a lot of steps, but so I would like to learn it, but it's a completely different thing. You know, like it's uh, you can't draft it like you would a five by five roto team. You have to know where those differences are and how to take advantage of them to get an edge in that game and i'm not going to play until i know that absolutely yeah, I, I dabble in that in hockey and that's it because I, okay. I prefer i prefer best ball in hockey um, but i mean even on my last one ty I, I came to you and i said hey i gotta drop four dudes and i'm not up to snuff um <laughs> you know give me some help here so uh and uh whatever it was we just you drop four guys and then you make four picks it's a it's a dynasty style and okay. the first two picks the guy who runs the draft who I, I coached with him and coached his sons in hockey, he said to both of he's like, damn you. And I'm like, Oh yeah, good picks. And then the <laughs> next two, I just took two of my other guys back. And he's like, what, they were those the only two guys you knew. I'm like, well, sort of <laughs> <laughs> yes. like, I really liked my base. So I just went with more of those same guys back. So, <laughs> so, so moving on to the next one, Dave, in the time yeah. before now, when we were allowed to go watch baseball in person, <laughs> Uh, yeah, are you time. are you an attender of games? Uh, if yeah. so, memorable ones. I, I got to say this really quick. Like my grandpa, diehard Cleveland fan. Really? Um, yeah. Awesome. I think he's watched like probably ninety five percent of games since nineteen sixty. Holy! Let's shit. just say this though. Heading into this season, he's deleted MLB TV from his repertoire. So I don't know. That doesn't bode well for for the Cleveland squad this season. I mean, there's still some upside, but it's. It's questionable. So answer to that. Also to the question that I actually asked. 
No, yeah. So to, to start with that, uh, we are extremely frustrated with our owner. Um, we have a great front office. Uh, you know, they do a lot with a little. They win like every trade they make. But my God, is our owner like we were joking like we're gonna rename our team the Cleveland Cheapskates? Like he's such a fucking asshole. Like he does not he sell so much merch. It wouldn't even be funny. I know, right? <laughs> it would be printing money uh, in Cleveland, anyways. Um, he does not care about winning. Um, and I know this because when he has the pieces there, he, how many top 10 players did we have on one team? And he refused to add uh, the couple pieces that right. we need. Yeah. You've got Lindor, you've got, you've got J-Ram, you've got Bieber, you've got Plesak, Carrasco. Like you have the team, you've got the core of the players that you need to win, but you're not spending money because for him, it's a business. And he knows that Cleveland is not a huge market. And it's not about it's not about winning for him. It's just about m- making money, which really fucking sucks. So sorry to cut uh, you off. Would you say, Dave, no, as a fan, did that start with that Bauer trade? Was that like for you? Was their cycle turning uh, at that point? Because that's kind of what what I was thinking when when they sent Bauer off. That seemed like a turning point for them, where they were like, "Let's get something back. It's not as good, but let's try to get some bulk instead of like you just said. They didn't add impact with that." They added, you know, bulk guys. And and I know because Bauer, we didn't need Bauer. Two reasons. We didn't need Bauer to win. We have, okay. like, we could win with our rotation as is without Bauer. But you had to add uh, offense that can produce now. You know, you added, you know, single A prospects and shit. Like, that's right. not going to help us in the next year or two. So you could have added, like, you could have traded him for, I mean, you look at the uh, what was the trade with bets for Verdugo or something? I mean, Verdugo right. was up that year, you know, yeah, like ready to go, guys. Get, if you yeah, if you bring in offense for Bieber uh, or for Bauer, I'm on board with that because um, you can win with with uh, Bieber, Carrasco, Plesac, and Savali, like and and McKenzie, like that's that's overkill. You only need three guys in the playoffs to win, but what you need is an offense, and all we had was Lindor and Jram. When we traded Lindor, that was the turning point. That was like, where it was okay. Clearly, we're not we're not going to contend. We signed, you know, Rosario, which is nice, but uh, you know, it's it's more of a show show move. Uh, right. It's not it's not going to really impact our ability to actually compete. But uh, to get back to your original question, um, I go to about five to ten games a year. I would say, uh, it, you know, if I have friends who have season tickets, when they invite me, I always go. Um, and uh, I, the game that I can remember the most was 2017 um, when the Indians won their 22nd straight game, uh, marking the second longest streak in the history of Major League Baseball. Uh, I was at that game when they won game number 22 in a row. Lindor hit the game tying double off the left field wall with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, the guy scored all the way from first and like it was a close play at the plate and everything was awesome. And then they went to the bottom of the 10th. And then Jay Bruce had a walk-off double uh, with a couple of guys on base, and uh, and we won to, to secure that 22nd straight win. But uh, unfortunately, it didn't continue in the playoffs for us. But uh, that was an awesome game to be at. Cool. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I saw Clemens and Halliday when both were peak Clemens with the Yankees, um, but I was at the point where I think I was there more because people were like, "Let's go to a ball game." Whereas now I would have been like, damn it, that I, everybody shut up. I just want to watch this. I want to watch these two guys go to work. But at the time right. I was like, oh, cool. Like I know these starters well. <laughs> that was like it. But uh, yeah, 22 wins, moment, that would have been great. 
yeah, in the moment, sometimes you don't appreciate what you're what you're watching. Right. So I get it. Uh, my my podcast uh, uh, co-host Jake, he's a huge Doc Holiday fan. Uh, I mean, and and uh, you know his 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 death was sad. Uh, that was yeah, absolutely. And the more details a, that came out made it worse. I know. I know. Uh, I'm looking around. I got at least one bobblehead of them somewhere here. Oh, do you? I've got the trio with uh, the aces. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's a nice one. Hankins, Steve, and Halliday. Those were the boys. And unfortunately, the team that owns them there, Rogers Communication, they're the ones who are screwing it up now. But (laughs) I don't know. They they seem to have opened the pocketbooks now. Don't be one Uh, of those guys. No, they're screwing it up because they blocked my ability to watch them on MLB TV. Because Rogers, the company, which is across Canada, that's essentially like, I don't know. Well, there's like TSN cable. in Canada, like ESPN. Yeah, they've, they've got the cable. So they have the contracts. They've blocked it. So I can no longer watch. Um, we don't have cable at our home. We have we would, would get MLB.com um, and I could watch all the games. I'd also watched a ton of AA and AAA games because you could pay spend like 25 extra bucks and get that package, which I love. Uh, but they blocked it for this year. So I was they blocked it for the entire country. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. So, so the blackout spot is Canada for the Blue Jays, which before we had no blackouts, which was awesome. So wow. I would have rather lost Detroit than I would have, you know, all of the Jays games, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, that sucks. That's, so, that's stupid. terrible. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is that you can generally find somewhere free to stream it online still, but that's still a pain in the ass. Right. And that's not, that's not what I want to do when I'm sitting down. Like I used to always just listen to the Jays games on the radio and I would watch other games or, you know, do what I was doing. Um, But to know it's been taken away really de-incentivizes me, even though like I play a ton of dynasty, I'm all over, you know, play redraft, do everything. I need to watch the games. I need to know what's going on with the players, but with your home team, when you do want to just be a fan to know that that's been removed because, you know, the company wanted to squeeze out a few more bucks for cable packages, you know, going, it's not Cleveland bad. You know, yeah. it's not Cleveland, <laughs> bad, but it's not great. Um, so player hype and prospect lists. Um, why, to, in your mind, Dave, do they tend to go hand in hand? And how do you deal with them when you're playing in high stakes? I I mean, if it, it's why do prospects get hyped up. I think, in my opinion, it's, it's the combination of it's the unknown uh, kind of compared to the known. Um, you know, you, you know what other guys are. And people are always optimistic and they always want to think that the unknown, especially like this, this prospect, he, he could be so great. You know, it's the rookie card, you know, it's, it's that unknown, but it's also uh, confirmation bias. I think like they remember when some mega prospect came up, like, you know, Mike Trout or Juan Soto, they, you know, they came up and they set the league on fire and they're always hoping that every prospect, uh, every next big prospect does that same thing. Um, And, you know, in like the draft champions leagues, those draft and hold leagues, those, 50 team, 50 player drafts. Um, you know, you're, you're going to do a lot better if you draft the Randy Dobnacks and the Adam Wainwrights and the Kevin Newmans who will give you production so that you don't take zeros in September. Cause that's what it's all about. Like people take these prospects and they're like, well, if they come up, they could be awesome. And it's like, yeah, there's like a one in 10,000 chance. It's going to be like a Mike Trout kind of guy. Uh, it's much more likely that they're going to come up for a cup of coffee in September and not really help you at all. Um, you know, you can't take zeros and, you know, you, when you can't make pickups during, during the year, you know, or you're overbidding on these guys in the middle of the season, when they come up, like you can't have unrealistic expectations. There's only so many guys who come up ready to hit right away. A lot of times it takes a year to adjust and everything. Like people just don't have realistic expectations. And I think that's where it comes from. 
Good point there. I, I certainly have found, especially in Dynasty, you get a couple guys in every league, uh, whether it's a 12-team league or 30-team, where they are just prospect hunters, and they go out and they want every flashy name because in their mind, when they come up, their team is immediately going to contend. And they tend to get a lot of the guys that are on those top 100. They try to get inside like the top 30 guys thinking, well, if three or four of them are up by the all-star break, you know, if I can be 500 by then, I'm just going to win your league. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, you go, yeah, you go trade people, everybody for them. <laughs> people don't think about like injury risk and stuff. And then they, they're drafting, you know, guys like <clears throat> Denilson Lamette and Chris Sale. And it's like, those guys are going to give you zeros and then you're going to have to, we're going to have to plug in because you're waiting on these prospects to come up. And it's, uh, you know, it's, that's, that's a losing mentality. Once you get past that and you start seeing those boring, but productive vets who can help you, that's when you take your fantasy game to another level. Yeah, absolutely. There. So, so moving into how we're going to assess the 21 season, <clears throat> right? I mean, there's a lot of questions that are out there. Like 19 obviously was a fairly standard year. 20 was a shit show, but 21 is the byproduct of 20. So first question is how, how are you approaching this season versus the way you went in in 19? And one of the byproducts of the last question I want to ask about is a guy like Aaron Savale, who has become everybody's favorite guy heading into 21 with actually a step backwards versus his 19 numbers. Um, so where, where do you feel like that hype's coming from? And is that part of the way you're approaching 21? So for me, um, approaching 2021 coming from 2020, the people who say that you either like throw 2020 away or, uh, are, are overvaluing everything in 2020, they're both wrong. Like, so just like any other season, real change happened in 2020, right? Like if the season had been a regular full season, you would have seen guys regress. You would have seen real skills growth. And we did see glimpses of that, but you have to figure out where it happened. You can't be looking at things like uh, average and ERA necessarily, but when you're looking at the underlying like peripherals beneath those, um, you can tell growth, you know, in contact rate in strikeout percentage and walk percentage, stuff like that. Um, for me, I, I'm investing heavily in Zach Plesak because I've watched a lot of him and I 100% see it as night and day from his 2019 to his 2020, he's a completely different player. Uh, same with Dylan Moore. So you, you have to look at it on a case-by-case basis and say, okay, you know, Dylan Moore, he changed his approach. He's worked on his hitting a lot. He's hitting the ball much harder now. Yes, uh, everyone's listening. Everyone is listening to this. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Dylan Moore had like a much lower strikeout percentage in the minors, but often when guys come into the majors, they strike out at a high percentage and then take some a little time to adjust. And then they make adjustments and they, they strike out less and become better hitters. And he never really had a shot until 2020. And he played every day and you could, it was night and day. I mean, you could tell a and- huge difference there. Depoto gave him an MLB contract. Yeah, that was the sure. difference. He didn't. He was a um, minor league free agent, and Depoto said, "Look, I'm I'm a baseball Jedi, and you can come to my franchise where I am taking uh, Robinson Cano and turning him into um, Jared Kelnick. So come on over, <laughs> be be part of the change." And then, you know, like Ty hates that I he he probably just as soon as I, you said more, he's probably like, "Can I cut this off?" Um, 
I'm, I'm editing this out. It's just getting removed <laughs> from the episode. So this is just us talking now, Dave. Um, but he, he said on his podcast, which one of the things I do is I listen to a lot of just non-fantasy related podcasts. I read articles from the beat writers that aren't related to MLB.com because they're around the team all the time and they're not incentivized to promote the team. They're a lot of the times objective and some of the guys end up becoming, you know, spiteful of the team and then, you know, whatever their role is can become, you know, a negative thing. But Dylan Moore was one of the guys who DePoto really liked, said he's a leader on the team, thinks he made a Josh Donaldson type turn. So I buy into that as well. Like, yeah. you know, like he's not saying it to trade him, you know, like Aaron Nola, he was so over the moon with his production that he cashed in when he had the chance, right? He wasn't willing to like Austin play Nola. Austin Nola. Sorry, gosh, those damn Nolas. Um, he wasn't <laughs> willing to play it out with Austin, but the idea was for him and, and Murphy to platoon or not platoon, but basically to platoon and have Nola off spell um, white or to be DH, you know, at times and get some, get some at bats. But, you know, as soon as Murphy was hurt last year, all of a sudden it was Nola over, you know, over, achieving and then that offer came from san diego he had to make the move but with dylan moore i feel like this is now an established player so okay i'm done i'm sorry i'm so sorry oh no that's okay i just but I, like watching him um from previous years to this year uh his approach is 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 different it's grown and like the projection system isn't catching that and that's that's a big reason you know why we were discussing this before the podcast started but why i have a problem with people who just rely on projections because it doesn't always capture when there's actual skill growth happening because they need a bigger statistical significant sample. But in fantasy, we don't have that time. Like we can't like say, okay, everybody pause the league. I need to wait for this guy to get another 500 at bat <laughs> so I can see if he's really legit or not. Like you can't do that. You have well, to you can in dynasty, Dave, it's called being in last place. Okay, it's a keep forever and you go and pick up all those guys and then you never compete and you're like wait a second three of them worked out i told you I that's told fair you. that's fair um when it comes to aaron um or sorry uh when it comes to uh yeah aaron savale um you know if you look at his surface stats he had a worse year but if you look at the underlying peripherals he was better i mean the control was better he went from two and a half walks to less than two walks per nine uh he went from 7.2 to 8.4 k per nine um, and if you heard him, uh, he was on uh, triple play. I don't know if you guys know that, uh, podcast with, yep. uh, Dean Mendy and, uh, and the boys over there. And he was actually on there and they were, they're talking to him and he's a very like self-aware guy. Like he, he knows what his strengths and weaknesses are. And like, he was a guy who I watched last year, you know, he doesn't have a lot of velocity. Um, you could tell he was kind of trying to nibble because he doesn't have He's got a bad fastball and he, you know, but he's trying to make up for it with his off speed stuff. But I think he can take that next step. I don't know what that next step is. Like, I don't think he has police X upside. I definitely don't think he has Beavers upside, but he can be a solid starter. And I think that that is a lot of value, especially with the Indians. They push their starters. I mean, he threw 74 innings last year. All right. the Indians do that with all of their guys. They push them like over hundred pitches, every outing, Six plus innings. Uh, Plesac never went less than six innings last year, uh, you know, in his second season. So that's how they are. And that's what you want to target in, in fantasy young uh, guys who have upside and uh, are good command, have, you know, they're safe. Um, so I, I like targeting Savali this year. So I'll give you my reason for being on the other side. And um, I'll give you a comparable first, right? Because I think this, the soft approach is similar with these two guys. And the, the first guy I'm going to mention also gets shit on because it's the soft approach, but there's a really big difference between the two of them. And in Dallas Keuchel, 
is who I'm, I'm looking at now. Do they have the exact same repertoire? No. Is it similar? Yes. Um, but if you go and you find the heat maps of their two uh, repertoires and put them side by side, you will see why I'm scared shitless of Aaron Savale. His sinker heat map is down the dick, which is terrifying because sinkers that go down the it's terrifying when you say down the dick. Okay. That's it's a, a terrifying. It's a very common baseball term. Like, yeah, I don't like, know what kind of baseball you're playing here, Ty, but I don't the think real it's the kind. same kind we are. So like <laughs> all the guys that, together, yeah, all the boys. Like, yeah, so <laughs> the point is though, sinkers that tend to, to be in the middle of the strike zone tend not to sink when they leave the bat. Um, and that can be a problem for a sinker ball pitcher. Likewise, some of the other pitchers, have a tendency or pitches have a tendency to either fall out of the zone or cement mix back into the middle. And so those couple of trends for me are mortifying. Like, could this guy get away with it for a little bit? Yes. But I think the scouts are going to be out on him. And, and I do not expect this to be passed through this season. Like I just, it is the biggest red flag I've seen in the entire fantasy community this off season is how much everybody's going after this guy and like, I could not be more out based on those heat maps. Right. So like, I, I will be the anti Savala guy. I'm okay with that. Uh, won't be the first time I've been out of the park from every other person ever. Um, but this is one that like, I just don't think he has the stuff to get away with the misses that those maps show. And so for me, like you got to balance those things, right? You please act definitely better stuff. He can miss a yeah. little and get away with it. Right. Savali doesn't have that. So I, I just think you're going to see players wait. Same way you see those players on the on the offensive side make that adjustment. They're going to make the adjustment to Savali, and, and I don't know that he has the stuff to counter it. That's my concern. I mean, it's, it's, it is possible. Um, like, he's someone who, when I was watching him, uh, his first couple starts, I, I really loved his location and everything. And then as the season went on, he started, you know, kind of missing his spots a little bit more and, and getting punished. Uh, but you, you also have to realize, like, I don't know, you know, when you're talking about heat maps and everything, Dallas Keuchel's been pitching for nine seasons. So mm-hmm. he obviously has the benefit of, of uh, you know, I don't know what his early career uh, heat maps look like, but guessing from his 5.2 ERA in his first two seasons, it probably wasn't great. Right. Uh, <laughs> so I, I don't know. I feel like if you listen to Aaron Savali talk, he, you know, he, he's very aware of these things. And I think he knows what he has to do. Um, and when you have such good control and command, um, I guess good control, I think his command needs some, some work, but, uh, I think he knows that. And I think he's working on it. And I think that's much easier to improve than like control. Like you see guys with bad control, they don't often get better control. Um, whereas guys can improve their pitch mix, improve their off-speed pitches more. And I think there's, it's a lot easier to grow in those ways. So I don't know. I, uh, there's certainly the possibility that he just doesn't put it together. Um, I can understand that. Uh, but I love betting on those guys who, uh, don't put guys on, don't give out free passes. So let me make, let me make your brain hurt just a little bit by giving you a follow-up point and use Chris Paddock as the comparable, because now you're talking about a guy which has a very (laughs) similar distribution, a very similar problem to what I'm concerned with. But if you were to give me Savali versus Paddock stuff-wise, the answer is really obvious, um, in my opinion. So where do you sit on that when comparing those two guys side by side? 
with, with uh, Savali versus Paddock? Yes. Um, I mean, Paddock obviously has more upside. There's, there's, you know, no question about that. And obviously he's got the control too. I expect Paddock to have a bit of a bounce back season this year. I mean, um, I, I don't know that he's going to be, you know, elite. He has to work on those. Uh, you know, he came in thinking he was going to be throwing his, uh, I don't, what is his, his uh, cutter? I think, I mean, he only threw like 3% of the time, um, you know, and he took away from his curve. He's all fastball and change. Like he needs to get away from that fastball and throw those secondary pitches more in order to have success. So until he does that, I don't think he's really going to take another step forward where, whereas I think Savali is a little bit more aware. He doesn't have the upside that Paddock has, but I think it's more likely that he makes those adjustments. But, but you know, when you're talking about these heat maps, do you, do you know, is there a year to year stickiness there? Like, if someone is good at that one year, does that mean they're going to be good at that the next year? I, I watch. I watch for the spray, right? Like I, I'm looking for the tendencies, right? So if I see, like a like if you're, are you on the paddock one, for example? Uh, I can. Are you on Fangraphs? I'm on Savant. So, but but Savant, like okay. the 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 map of his changeup, right? Is is tails to the arm side up, right? So like what I want to see year to year isn't so much that it gets pinpoint tight, dead red on the corner. I want to see those misses up and into righties go away, right? So that's what I'm looking for is that slow pattern of progression to the spot where he wants to be. So it's fine to be down and in. And, and the big thing that a lot of people don't realize about Paddock is that he actually can't throw that change up arm side to the lefties. That's the thing that kills Paddock more than anything else because then he can't set up the off-speed stuff beyond that. So that's the thing that I'm looking for is that stuff that's tailing up in his heat map to come down. Whereas if you look at a guy like Savali, he's got the slow hook, right? So mm -hmm. the slow hook's one of two things. It's either a miss, right? Swing and a whiff it's a, or, or a fly ball. And if it's not one of those two things, it's going a very long way. So that's the, that's the issue I have with Savali is I just think you're going to see the scouts get ahead of that, those pitches and say, if you see it, don't touch it. Just off. Because then you're going to force them into the zone and then it's a very bad pitch. So like those are the, you know, it's, it's bigger than like stats. It's bigger than like whether you like the guy or not. It's just, for me, it becomes the game of chess, which is way more involved in baseball than people think. No, it absolutely. Um, I guess the only thing I would say is the guys with, with uh, control, like those guys often find success in the majors, like other than Ricky Nolasco, can you name, another pitcher who has really good control like that, that doesn't succeed at some level. Hmm. Like, like it, it certainly took, uh, it took Marco Estrada some time to get the opportunity, but right. it, he's an example of a guy who did it. And as soon as that control left him, boom, out of baseball. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a come and go thing. I think that's a good point. Um, also it's a fine line. Yeah, I was good. Yeah, the great way to say it. So, okay, so we'll we'll get out of that. So now we can relax from the, uh, you know, intensity of what's going to happen this year. Let's let's go back in time, uh, Dave. If you can give one player who did not have it a healthy career, injury free career, who do you pick? Ooh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is gonna. I, I mean, I think this should count, but. Because uh, I was thinking about guys, and I was like, you know, Mark Pryor, Kerry Wood, Rich Harden were all coming to mind. But 
I'm going to go with uh, Jose Fernandez, who obviously, uh, you know. That was not, not so one injury, injury, one injury, and that's it. I know. Well, I mean, any of those guys, I mean, if you want to go by, like, guys who should have had a career because of their, right. uh, but but had injury concerns, it would be, you know, Mark Pryor, Kerry Wood, Rich Harden. Like, those are the three guys that come to mind for me. And, Jose is a you know, good pick. That That's fine. Yeah. The like, thing is, I loved Jose so much. Like, he was – he had dominant stuff paired with great control and he was so good for the game. He was so good for the game. And I hate like, could you just that. picture Jose versus Acuna and yeah. and those guys? Like I yeah. agree. It would, it would have been a lot of fun because he flew in the face of the dumb unwritten rules. And I yeah. fucking hate them because everybody <laughs> has to take things personally. Like Jose was like, Hey, look, you got me that time. I'll get you next time. And I was like, it's a game and that's how it should be. Like, you should be competitive, but also you should be having fun. It shouldn't be like Madison Bumgarner, old man yelling at you, get off his oh, front man. Front yeah. arm because you're hitting a home runoff. <laughs> like, get over it. It's not about you. Like, I'm not flipping the bat to show you up. It's just having fun. Like, I'm pumped up. You know, yeah. this is done. The, the emotion of the moment. You're you're exactly. enjoying yourself, and exactly. that's that's great. So yeah, no, that's a great point. To I mean, you know, the idea. Like, I I think the first time we talked about a tire when we first did the question i had said that i really liked um uh johnson who was also a former marlin who came over in the josh johnson who came over to the jays uh injury riddled season and then never got himself straightened again and it was the result of that big trade that gave jose fernandez his starting job because the marlins the year prior were stacked and went into that moved into that new ballpark and then Jeffrey Loria did Jeffrey Loria things and sold it all off like Cleveland uh, just to <laughs> just to get Thank that knife in yellow. Yeah. Yeah. just as if he was a Cleveland owner and um, you know then well, Jose Fernandez got a shot and and thank God he got a shot right at least we got to see what we got to see from him yeah and we always talk about this on on our show Dave that you know when we talk about guys like Fernandez and Tatis and Acuna call that a vanity metric. It's not quite XW Woba, but you know, <laughs> vanity metric is our, is our style of choice. So swagger. And, and we even got a nice little song to go with it too. So pretty much every time it comes up. Yeah. So like needless it. to say, like <laughs> we, we love that kind of flair in baseball. So moving into how you're going about ranking things in your own mind, do you have a system of your own that you use unofficially officially doesn't matter uh or or is there something um that you do to get these players into an order as you approach a draft yeah i there's a number of things that i look at the only thing i use straight rankings for is closers and the reason for that is because there's only one thing that i'm looking for from closers and that's like who's who's gonna who has the best chance to give me saves i'm not drafting closers for their ratios or their strikeouts like if, if so, it, I'll use as a tiebreaker between guys, if they're, if they're both good, uh, like if they're both secure to get me saves, I'll look at other things, but they're only giving you 60 innings, you know, normal starters going to give you 200. That's where you're going to get your ratios and your K's. Like, don't worry about that from your closers. I want guys who, uh, I'm not looking at skills. It's always roll over skills when it comes to closers. So, that's the only thing that I use straight rankings for because uh, any other position, you know, you could be considering two guys at, at the same position, uh, you know, Dylan Moore and Mike Moustakis. Well, what do I need? Uh, if I need a second baseman, um, do I need power or do I need steals? You know? So uh, 
it always depends. You can't you you can't draft off of rankings. You always need to look at your team needs and say, okay, this is what I need here. Um, but if it's second like, base, just to clear up, you're just yeah. taking Madrigal. That's that's <laughs> the play. I, Are you a big Madrigal guy? Oh, a little bit. <laughs> okay all right now i will say this he's kind he could be like the next uh um oh god i forgot what his name is pierre juan pierre uh oh. i mean like he, he can let's hit, raise he, the ceiling a little higher please really okay. is pretty good man well, i mean I'm yeah. just, let's just say let's go a little higher that's all. i'm honestly. saying he's he's a legit hitter he's not he's not yeah, like Malik yeah. smith or billy hamilton like he can hit yeah right um but he's still even even with that, he's still you know he's hitting ninth. He's not providing homers or RBI. He's only giving you three. I mean, from a roto standpoint, anyways, he's only providing average steals and runs. And even runs from the ninth spot are pretty weak. So well, well, the best thing about that is that the top of that Chicago lineup is so good that him at nine should, over the course of a season, still get him somewhere in the eighty plus range. But he also needs to be coming up with less than two outs in order to do that. And again, the depth of the Chicago lineup can help him temporarily, but um, I, I was, you know, everybody can be out on magical. That's fine. I'm happy to take him in dynasty. <laughs> he was a, a hot commodity because he was such a high draft pick a couple years ago. And everybody has just recoiled because they're like, wait a second. But I thought power was the last thing to develop. And it's like, well, no, no, no. Magical was done in college. That's mm-hmm. who he is. He's right. going to run. And if Chicago needs him to down the stretch, he can probably, you know, throw 10 stolen bases in September if Chicago really needs it. It's just a matter of like giving him the best uh, opportunity to succeed. But if unfortunately, if for me, Magical needs to be in the one spot to hit his peak. But the most realistic thing is he's going to spend two or three years at nine and that's going to hurt him in every redraft format. Yeah, let's just yeah. say, Dave, if you stacked all of Rob's Magical shares, they'd probably be higher than him. <laughs> I'd be in the Wagyu league of magical <laughs> shares. <laughs> Listen, I think he's a good hitter. Like I, I don't dislike magical at all, but my whole philosophy is to get steals early in draft from guys who can give me power as well. Uh, right. To get those four Double five it up. category guys. Yeah. And you know, so I'm never in a position that I need magical, but if I'm drafting, if I need saves late for whatever reason, he's a guy that I would target over others because I have zero faith in guys like Roman Quinn and Miles Straw and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And the MLB teams are doing all they can to uh, suppress those guys playing times with Wiley Vets kicking around for 150 at-bats throughout the season instead of, you know, up in there. So um, so do you have uh, a public rankings that you do or do you keep everything for yourself? And I know you did some writing for uh, the SP Streamer Draft Kit if you want to discuss that as well. Yeah. Um, so the SP streamer draft kit, they, they do have rankings in there, but I did not do them. That wasn't your part. Okay. No, I merely wrote the strategy section of it only. So I wrote a hundred pages on strategy. <laughs> uh, My it's a goodness. Lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, it what was, font? Uh, it was a, yeah. So, uh, Size 64. It, <laughs> it should have been. No, in size, uh, I think it was like size 13 font was 100 pages. And then like, my whatever, goodness, Dave. Wow. Whatever. I know. I know. I have a lot of thoughts. Uh, but it's, <laughs> just, I'm, I'm just picturing Dave in a room with a candle and. <laughs> 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 writing with my quill pen yeah <laughs> why didn't i just put this on the computer 
but uh, it's actually been a, it was actually a great help because I, I was already planning to write a book anyway. So it's, oh, okay. uh, so that's great. Me, so like, I had to start exactly. Um, it's, it's honestly, I, I think it's good stuff because it's, uh, it's 15 years of playing at a high level. Um, there's a lot of strategy stuff that people don't think about. And again, I think people put so much emphasis on the player evaluation that they don't put enough on the strategy section and the right. team building and the risk assessment, all that. And it's all in there. Um, but, uh, yeah, my, I mean, I don't put any kind of ranks out there. I've had a couple of people come to me and offer to pay me for my research and, <laughs> and my, my stuff. Uh, the problem is when you play at my level, um, if you put something out there and then they use it against you or they then turn around and sell it to someone else, there's right. a lot of, there's a lot of downsides there where I'm still, I'm considering it because if, if I'm getting enough for it, where it offsets that, it offsets my draft cost because like last year I put out a lot of information. I told people, you know, I said Rosenthal is going to be the closer. I said Beaver would be the Cy Young. I mean, I said some other things were wrong, but those are two big things that kind of in, in my league, someone drafted Rosenthal ahead of me, um, right. but I was still able to win my main event despite all the information that was out there. Um, so I feel like I can, you have to, if you're good, you have to be able to make adjustments, you know, in draft. Uh, you can't just cling to a couple of players. You have to be able to change your strategy uh, given anything happening in the draft. You know, you always have to think about what's the worst case scenario if I need this. Um, and so I pride myself on being able to do that. So I would consider it, but I don't have anything out there publicly like that outside of the, the closer stuff, which I put on our site. Fair enough. Yeah, we put our stuff out and um, it, it gets used against me um, in dynasty formats. And my Lord, is it frustrating because I it's don't annoying, play, right? I don't play in a lot and Ty and I do combined rankings. So it's not that anyone sees my specific ranks or ties. They're just seeing the combination. And because um, we differ so much. That's clever. That's clever. Thank you. <laughs> and because <laughs> no, we, we differ like, so okay. much, it, it works out well. Yeah. Yeah, it See, works out well, but it still ends up against us because obviously somebody can like rake me over the coals for, for Madrigal, right? Because they think, right, okay, Rob right. thinks that like four things are going to happen and Madrigal is going to, you know, be the best second baseman to ever play the position. Not and, if you go get Greg Bird. Nobody touches <laughs> Greg Bird. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, somebody else that, that has no idea in other leagues where, you know, like somebody might be like, you know, whatever, like they'll make fun of the podcast. And I'm like, that's fine. Make fun of it. That's totally fine. Prefer if you listen to it and made fun of it episode by episode, which, you know, sure. Ronnie, Ronnie does. So thank you, Ronnie. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like it, it does get frustrating. And for you, you're playing with redraft. And like you said, yeah. high stakes, there's a lot of money on the line. Like, yeah, we're playing for money. We have leagues where there are teams that are going to cost over a thousand dollar within our league. Um, like we have one that's a real money auction league. So Ronald Acuna went in our auction for $80. Uh, the guy nice. signed up for four years. The wait, next wait, most... with a hundred dollar, uh, budget. No, it's, it, you it's can, uncapped. so yeah, it's uncapped, but after you spend $119 on your team, you go to a hundred percent tax after $219, you go to a three times tax. So, oh. yeah. So, <clears throat> so Ronald Acuna, the guy got his salary, the team salary down as low as he could, and then spent $80 on Acuna gave him four years. And we have like firsts that cost 50 cents and seconds that cost a dollar and thirds that cost $2 and blah, blah, blah. So there are ways to suppress it just like MLB where okay. progressive contracts, but a free agent contract sticks anyway. Um, so guys go out, go all, all in. And now they're, I think they were predicting three of our teams in this 30 team league would all be over a thousand dollars. So we also have like revenue sharing. It's as close to MLB as we can get for That's dynasty. Really cool. 
yeah, it's a 40, 40 man roster that we've got now. So um, I, I was waiting for Jake McGee to sign. As soon as I saw he signed, I, I posted him up and then I saw you put something on Twitter and I'm like, dear Lord, I hope no one saw this (laughs) (laughs) because I ended up getting him for a buck and I signed him. I think I gave him three years just because, Hey, he's not in Colorado. Right. I'll take a chance. So, yeah, I absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, but it's the same thing where like last year you couldn't get an outfielder in that league. So it was like six bucks for Brian Goodwin who just signed with Pittsburgh, as we mentioned before, who, you know, yeah. now I'm crossing my, my fingers to get $6 worth of production, but anyway, <laughs> having, having the list publicly available can really screw with you. And we did oh, yeah. a lot of first year player draft stuff and I had it. I had guys who were laughing when they took, like, they'd send me a DM. Hey, I know you had him <laughs> ranked there. I'm like, Oh, come on, man. But you know, the, the price of success, if I want to call it that. Um, but really it's more just like the price of being out there trying to help others. And then people in your own league come in and just like snipe you. So it's so speaking it's def- of, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was just gonna say, it's definitely a balance. You know, you, you're, if your goal is you want to be a public analyst and you want to eventually get paid to do it, you got to put information out there. You can't just keep it to yourself. So you know, that's kind of, uh, it's something I struggle with, but, um, you know, we'll see. I put a lot of information out, so we'll, we'll see if it bites me, but last year I was okay with it. Right. Sorry, Ty, go for it. Well, I was just going to say, speaking, we're talking balance, so we're going to make you get away from balance. you got to pick one. Uh, okay. Hanniger, <laughs> fam, who are you going with? I'm going to go with Hanniger. Um, Ooh. Yeah, I, I don't, you. with all, with, with that loaded, uh, I mean, opportunity-wise, you know, Seattle's not, I mean, unless he's a total train wreck, they're not benching him. Um, in San Diego, they've got a lot of options there now. And, uh, you know, dude just got stabbed at a strip club, you know. Thank I'm, you. Um, I, I just hit, and outside of that, his health has always been bad. Uh, I just, I I don't like fam where he goes. And, uh, you know, he's, he's up there in age too. I don't know how much he's going to be running anymore. Um, I just... I think Hanniger is going to be hitting in like the third three or four hole and uh, be a productive hitter. And I mean, you know, might be asking a lot for him coming back, but I just don't trust fam is really what it comes down to. I just feel like fam is going to come back like uh, Will Ferrell and the other guys. It's just nobody mess with Gator. Um, <laughs> now that he's, he's went to that lifestyle. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just, just saying it's a remote possibility, but so uh, is Tommy, F- sorry, Ty is Tommy fam then, um, like Blades of Glory, Will Ferrell is he that guy? He's like the, uh, you know, down like not down in the dumps, but he's just like the, the wily vet who you know the CD guy. Is that who you see Tommy Pham as? He plays the same fucking role in every movie he's in. <laughs> <laughs> so and that's Tommy Pham on every team. Maybe he's gonna be on now. He's just gonna be that guy. So from old, not old school. From Wedding Crashers on, well kind of old school but wedding crashers on will ferrell has essentially been the same dude and uh so can we just say it now like outfielder rankings will now be one out of five will ferrell so this is a four will ferrell kind of guy (laughs) he's the this has full ferrell Ferrell. this is blades of glory this is wedding crashers he's gonna make just a very small uh, appearance but it's gonna be very impactful uh yeah or you could have like the drag outs (laughs) what was the soccer movie he did kicking and screaming that's like that's the most painful Painful version, yeah. That's the I, I, I fully admit I I am a Will Ferrell hater. Uh, it's not that I don't think he wasn't funny the first time, but then after I saw it thirty-seven times after that, I was just over it. So I just I don't know. He plays the same. It's it's always the goofy older guy, and I don't know. It's just I'm over it. I don't know. 
<laughs> I don't, I don't, people love that guy. Now that was, he had a good role in Wedding Crashers because you know why? He's not the main, he's not the star of that. He's just a side character. Yeah. He's great as a side character. And I loved him in SNL, Celebrity Jeopardies and everything too. Like my favorite, like I love old school. He's, he's a side character in that one as well. But, you know, I still love, I love Talladega Nights. That's the one that for me never gets any love because it's, it's a little bit of a unique twist on, on some of the same things we've seen. So I just, I enjoy some of the other characters around him in that one. But anyways, before Rob shows us his entire yeah, world. I know, I'm in, I'm in the minority. I know, I get it. It's I'm fine. not a, I'm not a big Will Ferrell guy. Like I've- How do you defend that right now? You just showed us well, I just showed Will Ferrell DVDs. <laughs> you just showed us. So for those of you who can't see this right now, Robbie just showed us eight Will Ferrell movies. I'm getting Zoom. weird. Yeah, so, so this is basically like the- um, uh, 40-year-old version. He just pulled out the box of Boner Jam's 1998 of Will Ferrell videos. <laughs> just... wow. He didn't even hear, hear me picking on him either. That was the best part. Oh, wow. yeah. That's how you do it. I'll have, to, I'll have to listen to this episode so I know what you just said. <laughs> when, yeah, let's we'll save it. Yeah, whenever Jake goes for a bathroom break, that's when I talk shit about him. I mean, that's how you <laughs> You're like, and now it's time for Dave's real thoughts. <laughs> fuck that guy here's what i really think this is what um, happens when i have a half a glass of bourbon and a beer with this like god <laughs> jesus the truth comes out so uh when did you start playing fantasy baseball this this has been a question we've opened with before oh yeah um, but we think it's a critical one to find out what we can really really find out about you dave yeah, and you asked a really good question in there too about like who like the first players I ever drafted and everything. Like I was it's like, still oh, there. It's still there. I know, I know. Uh, but yeah, so I started like I don't remember the exact like year, but it was around when I was like twelve years old. Like it was when I was reading a magazine, and it was a uh, it was a salary league. I don't know if you guys ever um, did. You guys ever play any salary leagues? Yeah, yeah? I did that okay. with hockey, and I loved it, where the values would go up in season. For guys they go up and oh, down. Oh, okay. This was this was set. Like yeah, you know, I know you what you're talking like about. The, the magazine one magazines, yeah. ten thousand, thirty thousand, yes. hundred thousand yeah. lineup. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There was like there was like the minimum, and then there was like play, like and then they all built off of that. And I I remember like Billy Cock or Cook or however you say his name, like the closer for the. Was Billy it really Koch? Koch? Was it really? Oh yeah, it was Koch. It was. Yeah. Yep. Oh really? Okay. Usually you don't. Okay. Well, I don't know. But okay, Billy Cox. We pronounce uh, it differently in Canada. Even if you're not from Canada, we'll change it. He was one of the first guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was one of the first guys I remember getting because he was like the minimum and he was the closer for the Blue Jays way back in the day. Uh, him and, him and, I mean, uh, he, he did look like the kind of guy that would stab Tommy Pham in a strip club, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you should bring that up because the second guy I was about to bring up was John Rocker, who was like this racist, like... <laughs> raging asshole so oh my like, goodness and but they were both like the minimum so i like i had like two closers at the minimum and i remember i remember playing that game and uh it was like it was even before cdm because cdm uh had like uh a salary game that i played back in the day when i met vlad initially um but before that there's something out of a magazine i can't remember right now what magazine it was but i love like looking at the salaries and trying to build like you have a budget and you have to build the whole team using that budget. And that was, that was a lot of fun for me. Sorry. I remember Bogman talking about 
uh, that where it was like he he did a thing he said on our he came on with us in December and said something about mailing in yes. um, teams yeah. and you could spend extra money to get more info and like yep. he's like I was yep. just a sucker for it and he's put all oh, the money into this yeah you every time you made a change you had to pay for it like mm. I mm. used to call in on the phone and I'd be like player number two zero seven four two two taxi squad taxi squad player number five four one seven two starting lineup position third base. I would do this over the phone. It was crazy. Like this is before like the internet was like a big thing. So like, that's when I started playing fantasy baseball and uh, you know, it's like the penny stocks of fantasy baseball, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. And it was like, it was like the beginnings of it and it was a lot of fun, but Oh my God, there was, there were so many pitfalls. I mean, like, I think I won a league and still lost like $200 because I made all these changes. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, it's yeah. like, you're making all these changes and they're charging you like 50 cents and a dollar for this. Like every time you're moving a guy from your bench to your starting lineup, you think about that. But like when you're like 12 years old and you're not thinking that way, you're just like, Oh yeah. I mean, that's what I want to do. So I'm going to do it. Right. Um, but then like, you know, when I was uh, a senior in college, when I was like 22, was the first time I found out about NFBC and I went to Chicago by myself with my dad uh, was transferred there. Um, so he was working in Chicago during the week and then driving home to Cleveland on the weekends. Uh, Cause you know, he's still with my mom, but my mom didn't want to move to Chicago. She was like, fuck that. My life's here. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. And what am I going to do all day? So, right. so I, I go to Chicago for the first time to do NFBC and I walk into this room and I'm 22 and everybody there, like the next lowest in age was like 48. I mean, I like, it was, it was more than double my age. And were you welcomed into that? Were they happy to see a young guy? Were they wondering, what are you doing here? Um, I mean, I don't, I, I didn't feel unwelcomed, but I okay. definitely felt like overwhelmed. Um, right. And I kind of, I was probably in over my head. I ended up getting third. So I got my money back out of the league. So that's good. You know, it's like $1,500 to enter. So it was uh, pretty much all the money I had at the time. Um, I mean, seriously. So that's very good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, that so meant something to you. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but, you know, then I did the next year. Uh, after the first time, I brought my boys with me, um, my podcast partner, Jake, and then my other friend, uh, Tony. And then we brought, uh, like, six of our other friends, too. And we just had a blast, like, you know, kids in their early 20s do. And uh, I went to the draft and drafted my team. And then uh, after that, I started going to Vegas because uh, they're like, you know, Chicago NFBC, there's like one league. Like there's, there's not, it's not like a big thing. It's like, you know, they, they NFBC does it up. Like they give you drinks, you know, they, uh, they want to make you feel welcome, you know, but in Vegas, there's like, there's like eight leagues going on at the same time. There's all these people, there's all these other events. There's like watch parties for, cause March Madness is going on at the same time. Um, there's all this stuff going on and it's so much fun. And uh, right. ever since then we started going to Vegas and we've just been hooked. So we've been going there for like the last 13 years other than last year, of course, when, when there was no. Why, what happened last year? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, oh, my hand sanitizer here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Could you lower your mask, please? I can't hear you. You're very muffled. <laughs> exactly uh, i was like missing on going to vegas was the worst ever man and uh jake was just coming off of winning the uh auction overall championship in 2019 so he was super bummed about not going to vegas that year because you know he was 
he was going to get, you know, they call you out when you win a win an overall championship and everything. And, uh, you know, I felt bad for him for that. Um, but it's, it's such a great collection of people to go and like talk to. And, you know, you get to, um, you know, we all get to sit around and talk baseball with some of the best minds in, in the right. game. And, uh, it's so much fun. And, uh, we, we've been doing that every year for the last like 13 years and, uh, yeah, it's awesome. So that's, uh, that's how I got my start and that's where I am right now. Excellent. Okay. So let's say for fun, you are now deemed the commissioner of all fantasy baseball for one day. Um, yeah. What rules are you going to implement? Uh, we've, we've used and had people say no two catcher leagues, um, save and hold leagues. They would, they would dispel. What, what are you going to do? Yeah, I understand that. Like if you're coming at it from a perspective of, I want to make the most um, like the game that portrays the most skills. I understand that. But for me, the game is the game and, and five by five standard Roto is my game. That's what I love. I don't want to play anything else. So that's really all I want to do. All right. So you are making Roto <clears throat> the only format. <laughs> in terms of what i want to play yeah <laughs> yeah you're commissioner for the day you're so sure. this is what we're going to do yep. moving forward goodbye yeah. points goodbye head-to-head it's yeah. five by five roto suck head-to-head it for is, back head-to-head is so flawed like even in fantasy <clears throat> football like i understand to a degree uh but like in in baseball it, it's a it's it's such a small sa- like you're looking at a week of a sample size like anybody can have a bad week so I don't right. know. It just it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Points I can understand. I played points for a while, um, but then once I hit roto, I couldn't go back. See, I love I love the neutrality of head to head. Right, like that's the thing that I love is that any philosophy can win. First of all, okay. and the second part of that is that you have the ability. Like we have a guy in our home league that is a financial person by trade. And he comes up with these teams that you are like, what are you doing? And he's won on multiple. Like, I think he's still tied for the all-time wins total in that league. So you get that in head-to-head. You don't get it in five-to-five where you have that ambiguous nature. So I think to your point about the high stakes, like I'm okay with controlled settings for a higher stake venue. But I think for the average player, open it up. Let's have that ambiguity. Ambiguity. Am, am good words you, you. <laughs> so uh <laughs> this segment brought to you by alcohol gets yeah there's no excuse fun. we like, we yeah, have what? multiple cups going guys like this is a <laughs> i i my my drink selection is ambiguous Oh, nailed it. Much, nailed much like, it. Much like head-to-head leagues. His, his, <laughs> that's right. So, Full circle, baby. Full circle. <laughs> he brought it right back. Yeah, you ever played those things where you connect the one dot to the other? Yeah, just did that. <laughs> so anyway. Okay, so, uh, so, what, so what do you mean by that? What do you mean by um, – you said it was uh, you can win with any strategy or whatever. Like what does that mean to you? I, I just – so like we, we play in our home league in 8 by 8 format head-to-head. So okay. we add a couple other things that make um, the bit – like we kind of neutralize the back end of the bullpen, which we may adjust given the, the new uh, rules around the bullpen um, if it creates an imbalance – but the one thing we like about the 88 is like you can draft pitchers, you can draft young, you draft old, you can do a whole bunch of things in eight to eight because it's not locked into 
home runs and steals or number of at bats, right? So like five by five, you get locked into a couple key values that predict success. There, there's no exact science, but, but it predicts success a little bit, right? So in these, in a wider format, it just creates a more enjoyable format for the people that don't take it as serious as the three of us, right? So for the three of us, it's not necessarily what I'm trying to get at, but for like the average player, like having that open-ended compliance to a league, it, I think is valuable. Okay. If anyone in our home league listens to this episode, they're going to roast the hell out of you for saying for the average person and referring to all of them. Um, when if we have our Zoom draft above average, I will roast them in return. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's why I play in a home league, so I can trip the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> and when we do get together, it is fun for that purpose alone of just hearing everybody as somebody who, who came into the league as a stranger. Um, are you guys in the same home league? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Through, cool. Through a mutual friend, I got invited in. And, okay. Um, and you guys are all you guys are all like within uh, proximity where you guys can live draft. That is the there. default. We have to draft together. That is one of the rules we implement okay. in our home league. It's a it's a mandatory in person draft. So it's kind so of like I, Windsor to Toronto is around our stretch now, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty much it. Yeah. So Tyler, you're wearing a pirate's hat. So funny. I grew up near the American border. Um, okay. And so there's a small town just north of the town that I grew up in uh, called Port Lambton. It's not really on any map, um, okay. but it is on the water, on the St. Clair <laughs> but River. But it's a between, place. Yeah, it's on the St. Clair River between no Michigan place. and Ontario. And we were the Port Lambton Pirates. So we legit okay. went to MLB.com, ordered 20 jerseys and hats. And that's literally our outfit. So that was just the way. But But we had the coolest thing. Our post-game cooler was actually just a big treasure chest so that was that was pretty neat <laughs> that's uh, awesome we come for the baseball stay for the treasure chest you know i love that <laughs> now did you have did you have golden uh beers in there like you know ambers we had, we had a vending machine for bud light in the clubhouse <laughs> oh so, yeah we we, we we did it right awesome. there's no defense. It. it was good i love that um, so getting back on to the topic that we're here for, um, <laughs> so when we talk about preparing for drafts, like, what are you looking for? Like, do you go to the video? I know we got into the tangent of, of heat maps earlier. Um, and, and assuming you don't want to go back there. Um, let's, let's look at like, where do you find these sort of advanced, uh, advantages that maybe you create for yourself as a video, like what kind of stats do you go to and how often do you do it? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So in season, there's a difference for me between the, the stats that are sticky from season to season and the ones that are relevant in season. Um, I've noticed that um, in season, things like hard hit rate and, uh, and barrel rate, like there's guys that get on a hot streak and they're, they're seeing the ball well, they're hitting the ball well, and I want to take advantage of that by picking them up but it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to like be a long-term thing, but like you could pick up a guy who's hitting well for the net for like, you know, a couple weeks. And then they're, after their hot streak, then you drop them. Um, you also see it with teams like the white Sox crushed lefties last year. Uh, I pay attention to things like that. I, I'm not going to start lefties against the white Sox, but that doesn't mean that going into 2021 that I'm going to be expecting that to carry over. Um, often they don't. So I kind of pay attention to those things more in season. Um, 
year to year, I'm looking at things that are more uh, sticky um, from year to year, like, you know, K rate, contact rate, walk percentage, stuff like that. Um, and uh, I, I always say, I make a point to watch if I, if I own someone and I wish we could see guys in spring training. Like I, I wish I could watch players in spring because I think we draft based on what we know from the previous season, but we don't know going to next season, are they going to be able to carry that over? Um, you know, if we had seen, you know, we, we heard Christian Yelich struggled big time in, in summer training. So I stayed away from him because of that. And he had a horrible season. I mean, not horrible, but by his standards, pretty bad. Um, and he kept striking out all this time because I don't know something was off. I don't know what it was. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to carry over to the next year. And so I, in season, I always make a point to try to watch my players, but I don't want to watch individual highlights or gifs of pitchers or swings. Um, cause these can lead to cognitive biases and, uh, kind of developing an irrational love for a player. You know, like you see these people who are like, Oh my God. He's got a great slider, and it's like okay, that that's cool. But then they're forgetting the fact that like you know he he just had PRP and he's he's probably gonna miss the entire season. So like you don't want to focus on one thing. You want to, and the problem with watching those, you you just see people like fall in love with players and pitches and swings, and you don't want to do that. You want to look at a larger sample of things. So I try to I try to not do that when I'm when I'm evaluating players I want to watch a whole start I don't want to watch one pitch so two things one you said the word cognitive it might be the only time it's ever mentioned on this show um (laughs) the second the second part is like I heard glimpses of I love spring training stats um but it wasn't just all the way there but I know I'm a a big spring training guy Dave and and I know that it's like an island when people say spring training stats but I'm I connect other dots to spring training stats. So I love that you went there because I love having people in that corner. So I, I'm going to ask the well, question. Are you in the de- corner? It, it depends <laughs> on, it depends on what you mean by that, because like things like ERA and average don't matter statistically, no. but, but right. things yeah. like yeah. innings pitched um, is a huge thing because if guys aren't pitching in spring, it likely means they're either hiding an injury or not hiding it. And they're just injured. Like, a lot of the biggest yep. thing you can look at in spring is how much are they pitching? And then the other thing is their K percentage minus walk percentage. Um, you'll see guys, if they're struggling in spring, a lot of times that carries over into the regular season. So uh, with their control. So that's what I'm, what I'm looking for in spring. And, and the same thing with pit with hitters, uh, Christian Yelich, he was striking out all over the place in spring and that carried over to the regular season too. So those are the kind of spring stats that I'm uh, looking at. Patterns is what I always tell people. I look for patterns, not stats, patterns. Yeah. Well, and like I joke with Ty about the fact that I think spring training stats are stupid, but it's also something that I look at. And and I feel like some leagues that draft too early, that's what you're missing out on is you don't get the nuance of what's actually going to happen because there are, you are basically drafting off of last year and reports throughout the off season, you know, so-and-so's throwing and things look good. Okay, cool. Um, we've, we've also had, you know, um, uh, baseball players get signed and the stories are broken by a dude in a barber chair uh, about Springer in Toronto. <laughs> and then just some fan making things up about um, what's his nuts that had supposedly signed here for out of Houston too, that uh, Bradley, 
who who Michael Bradley, Bradley. who didn't actually Bradley, who didn't actually sign here, but someone's like, I swear my information's legit. Yeah. Oh, okay, dude with 200 Twitter followers who has never tweeted about a source before. Sounds or good. Bob but, Nightingale. He's right, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a guy who's paid <laughs> to do this, which I like it boggles my mind that people think it's important to like be the first on the story instead of just be right. Like it's cool for a team to say, Hey, we signed a guy. Like that's okay. Right. I, I'm okay right. with that, but I also don't draft really early in a, in a year. Like I don't, I don't like, I have one league that drafted last December and a whole bunch of guys were really ticked about it. And a bunch of them left the league. So the commissioner's like, well, I'll draft later this year. And then it turned out that he had to replace like eight guys in this league. So there was no way he could draft in December because he had to do a dispersal draft. So it ended up being like, you know, the end of January, he started the draft and I'm laughing like, boy, didn't this work out well for you? You know, like, don't you look <laughs> smarter this year, but that's not your game. But, um, Anyway, I look for for pitchers who have added uh, a pitch that are they're actually using it because I know a lot of times guys will throw a pitch more and then they just don't right. don't use it towards the end of spring training. But I look for a guy and, and for me it was like Frankie Montas in eighteen. I wasn't sure if he was going to make the Oakland rotation. He you know got this slider that looked really good. He was getting strikeouts, whereas you know as a Dodger prospect that wasn't one of the things he had. And then boom, it took. And then you know Frankie Montas had a really good eighteen. I felt great about that and you know, you, you look at other guys like, you know, judge Aaron judge, just a huge dude. You're like, you know, he's come up to a level and struggled in a short sample size. And then in a full season, he's established himself well, and then moved up to the next level and struggled. So it's always that adjustment period, but judge was a guy who I thought was making adjustments. So in spring training, I was looking for the same thing, tried to get him everywhere I could. And then people were, I, I would do Yahoo mock drafts to get a feel for our home league as to where I'd be able to pick guys. So I would pick my keepers and I was terrible at that time. So my keepers sucked. So I was picking (laughs) Aaron judge and I'd pick Aaron judge in like the top 50 and some, somebody would write in the chat. Well, this draft is stupid now because you did that. I'm like one player does not ruin a mock draft. Everybody does what they want to do with it. But I was using it as a barometer to see like, well, where can I get the MLB players? Cause I have these crappy keepers or well, you know, Aaron judge before he broke out was a crappy keeper, but that was my, my thing. And I was using spring training to decide like, do I go the Wiley vet route, which I had seen, you know, tie the year before, I think, or two years before win the league with a whole bunch of veterans. And I'm like, well, I need to get off the prospect train if I want to ever win. And, you know, loving prospects is great, but they never compete. Like you've already said, Dave, you know, they're not there in September or they're there for a cup of coffee and that's it. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with all of that. Uh, yeah, pitch mix changes are huge. Um, that's, that's often where you see skills growth happen. Um, and, and guys like trying to uh, kind of like, like with Plesak, he was, he was really working on his repeatability of his, uh, of his, of his pitching. Um, but then you also have to watch out for like big mechanical changes because while you could get a Giolito uh, mechanical change via 2018 to 2019, yep. you can also go the other direction like Robbie Ray last year where everybody was on Robbie Ray and, uh, you know, they're like, oh, he's doing the exact same thing that Giolito did. <laughs> and he was a disaster in 2020. So I don't uh, know. I mean, he ended up in Toronto, so he's got to be good, right? Yeah, but he's, <laughs> going back, he's going back to his old way of pitching and you have to hope he yeah. can even get back to that because like, Whatever he did in 2020 fucked him up. Yeah. P. Walker for a year, Saul's pitching. <laughs> that's well, that's what Ty's banking on. And I put out a Twitter poll, I think through the podcast page uh, yesterday. And I just said, who do you think is going to uh, accumulate the most in a points format? And it was Robbie Ray, Matt Moore, who signed with the Phillies after, I'm not going to say reviving his career, but after having 
a good professional baseball season, not in MLB. And uh, Kyle Freeland, who everybody loves to hate, but Kyle Freeland ends up getting points. The the bigger the category league, the better Kyle Freeland is because quality starts last year. He had nine. And anyway, Robbie Ray won it two to one over everybody else. And I'm like, what's going on here? Like, I understand. Strikeouts. I understand people are valuing that, but. Yeah. In and in, in in points leagues, I like Robbie Ray a lot actually because like in, yeah. in Roto, yeah. yeah, in Roto he's like he could he could blow up your ratios and you can't recover. In in points though, you're just okay. It's one bad start. It's not a big deal. It's not like it's wrecking your uh, ERA or WHIP. So I, I like Robbie Ray a lot in uh, in points leagues. Yeah. Well, that's good because I own him in one, and he cost good. me about ten percent of my salary. Oh, that's and... too much. Oh, oh, yeah, but he's going with the is. Cleveland Indians uh, salary cap. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not in that. No, it's one where we have it's a it's a hard cap salary league, but you can you can trade cap anyway. It doesn't matter. I also own Scherzer. I've got way too many pitchers. If I don't win this league, something horrific has happened um, because I've <laughs> I've I should have won it last year, but you know some managerial issues with Pablo Lopez, uh, for some reason, I thought he would pitch and he did not. And then I sat Frankie Montas on like a 30 point, his horrible season last year. Yeah. Thank you, Ty. I'll just stop. You know, <laughs> I was trying to give you the Cleveland segue too to the next question. Just, I'm sorry. Okay. Just okay. Off, off, off okay let me fix it. Let me fix it. Let me fix it. So I, you know, I, I did max out unlike Cleveland. However, I do have a million viable prospects just like your home team. Cleveland. Okay. Let's okay. now please discuss Cleveland prospects for the dynasty listeners who have been begging for it. Um, who do you like as the fan of your team? That's going to make an impact for you over the next little bit in like uh, in this year and beyond, if you feel like it's possible that they're not going to be up in 2021. Okay. Um, Cause this is like the one, like I told you, I, I don't know every team's prospects really well. I know ours pretty well though. Um, right. I, I've always been an, uh, an Eli Morgan guy, and I think that he could come up. I, he's not a super high upside guy, but he's the kind of guy that the Indians take and kind of mold him. They, you know, he's a he's a great control guy. He's got an elite uh, changeup. Um, his fastball is like like 89, 90 miles an hour. It's 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 not good. Um, but that's what the Indians do. They take these guys with the bad fastballs. They teach them to develop their off speed pitches, and then they they succeed. Um, I think he could be up this year. Uh, he's not a super high upside guy. Uh, he's not like, a, you know, an Ethan Hankins, for example, uh, who I'm, who I'm very high on and yep. Tanner Burns, but those guys are, those guys are probably a couple of years off at least. Um, yeah, I, Daniel Espino, what do you, you know, he's a ways away as well, but is he in that yeah. same group from your, yeah, your standpoint? Yeah. I mean, I, Ethan Hankins is probably the guy I'm the highest on in that group, but, uh, Daniel Espino has got some great stuff. Uh, it was, it was kind of a departure for the Indians to take a guy like that because they normally don't take those high-velocity, uh, super upside guys. Um, so it's kind of nice to see. Do you guys like him? Yeah, the, Espino was my pick out of that Cleveland class. I think it was okay. 19, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and I thought, like, that's the guy that I'm going to try to build around. And as well, like, I, I think Cleveland in the dynasty landscape has been given – a lot of credit for doing good things with pitchers who people didn't expect greatness from Bieber, of course, leading the class Clevenger as well. Um, 
And, you know, now we're seeing police act do the same thing. And Savali, who literally came out of nowhere in prospect right. land to make it happen. So Eli Morgan, I think just the mention of him is probably going to end up with a few waiver claims for some of our listeners. So uh, <laughs> we'll take, we'll take Dave's mention of it as credit to us. As well, diggers. I mean, interesting, like <laughs> just an interesting, like tidbit to pull from it, like 10.1 career strikeout per nine with a crappy fastball. That's, that's doing stuff. Yeah. That's doing right. stuff. I'm paying right. attention. Right. And I mean, that's, he's exactly the kind of pitcher that, that we work really well with and, and that I think can find success in that system. Um, on the hitting side, I'm not, I, I mean, Nolan Jones is the big name, but I'm not as high on him as other people are. Uh, and I know that they're going to bring him up as an outfielder instead of a third baseman. Uh, Cause we got J Ram there, but um, for how, now, how, how do you guys know? <laughs> You I have J Ram so for now. I hate, like. you, I hate you so much. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Why you gotta do that to me? We just lost Lindor. God it's not it. me. It's not me. Okay. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> um, I mean, Nolan Jones is a solid hitter. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit more uh, excited for Tyler Freeman. I think he's gonna be a legit yeah. stud hitter. <clears throat> I'm with you there on Freeman. We've got. I'm just looking at our ranks here. We've got um, Nolan Jones is our fifth rank dynasty third base prospect so we we do a five-year window because we're looking for production uh right. j2 guys are often suppressed because they need time free freeman uh is definitely one of those sleeper guys and then ty's got his boy uh who he's been waiting on so long yu chang so do you have anything positive you can say about yu chang we just added a second chang to the name because it just works so yu chang no no, chang. no that was his original name he yeah, his original name was oh, was it his... chang. oh yeah, yeah. Wow. that wasn't just something i just made up i was not no, he, crossing he... that like we were drinking a lot today. in the early episodes i just uh, assumed you no, i was it, i was not chang. ambiguous i was on point <laughs> he, he literally just changed that like in the last year to you okay so. so that's like how um, um uh honeywell became honeywell jr or mike stanton Oh, right. yeah, to Giancarlo. Giancarlo. It was yep. it, easier change. times. He he was healthier as Mike, wasn't he? He was. <laughs> he, had less home, he had less home wait, runs as well. Wait, though. was there a time when that guy was healthy? I don't even remember those. Yeah. Was, what, yeah. I think it was, what, 2018? The only year? No, 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 no. That, well, that was – he was had a stretch. It was a very brief stretch. It was one where... year, and he won the MVP. Like, no, year. I think there he had – One year when he had 59 homers, and then he never surpassed 38 in the other year. Yeah. But this year, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Draft him early and often, everybody. Okay, so yeah, so Cleveland, uh, yeah, you talked about Eli Morgan. I think that's a great sleeper pick. I am definitely gonna check in all of my dynasty leagues and I will see if he's owned everywhere. And I will certainly put that out on Twitter for the Twitterverse and then Tyler Freeman, who is a more known commodity amongst dynasty right. players. But right. certainly keeper league guy, um, I'm sure he's not owned in uh, one, what, 12-team keeper league I'm in. Um, yeah, is, is there anybody else? And you said Nolan Jones. So you think Jones is going to be outfielder just because of uh, Ramirez? They, yeah, they've made it known that they're bringing they, – they think he's going to be up in 2021. Um, I'm, I'm guessing probably, uh, you know, towards the second half of the season. It depends on how the season goes for the Indians, obviously. But right, I would expect right. him to come up no earlier than June, um, but maybe okay. as late as like August or something. Um, but he'll be up as a, as a, uh, an outfielder, they said. So uh, he's going to be in the minors kind of perfecting, well, at least getting better at playing the outfield. Uh, they don't, they've told, sorry, go sorry. ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say, they've told Jay Ram they're not going to move him off of third. So, because they, they could move him to second or whatever, but they're not going to do that. Right, which was a bit of the talk after that, the Mets <laughs> trade. Um, yeah, but then, they, then they, signed, the they signed, yeah, they signed Cesar Hernandez. Um, it seems like Andres Jimenez is going to start in the minors and they're going to probably start with uh, Rosario at short. And um, Jake Bowers, what what are your thoughts on Jake Bowers? There are a lot of dynasty owners out there who are fit to be tied with those Jake Bauer shares uh, in a real money auction league. The one I referenced earlier, he has a contract for the next three years at 10 us dollars. And that oh. owner has tried several times to dump Bowers on me in trade deals where I've just said, no, thank you. So yeah, I'm talking to nope. a Cleveland fan. What do you think? No, nope. doubt. Stay, stay away. Um, Not an MLB player. The Is Indians, that your consensus? The, the Indians don't like him. Um, I think he's got attitude issues. Like they wanted him to, to move to a new position and he said no um okay it's it's kind of going the way of francisco mejia where i would be shocked i mean he doesn't have the trade value of mejia so i don't know if they can get rid of him but uh i don't think he's in their plans whatsoever honestly okay one guy another guy i really like too is uh aaron bracho um or bracco or however you pronounce it but uh shortstop in their system um very high on him just going to quickly look here and see we've got we just did was that the episode that just came out ty was short stops short stop uh this morning actually yeah so yeah so Ro- rocco r-o-c-c-h-i-o right that's no, what you're talking yeah brian rocco oh are you talking Brock- brian brian rocco Rocchio. Yes, okay is that who you're I talking think... about dave no Could no uh, you have so no, many I- Sorry, Aaron Bracho is B-R-A-C-H-O. Okay, I think maybe we have him as second base then. It's I'm possible. Just... Yeah, he 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 could be on our second base. I'm real. Yeah, I mean, it. I mean the grade the grades fifty yeah. across the board, right? If you look at the scouting grades. So I, I yeah. talk to Rob about this all the time, Dave, and I love the high floor guys. So this is a guy that kind of fits that category. I, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, no, we're talking Bracho here. Um, oh. Okay. Yeah, but Chang same similar to me. Like I, I don't think yeah. you're gonna get a peak player. Um, you're just gonna get a guy that like for for Chang, he's probably gonna be utility infielder. That's realistically where he probably slides. Uh, yeah. maybe he outgrows that at some point, like uh Joey Wendell type, and obviously a different player, but but similar role. Um Bracho, like I think has time to develop still, just 19 high school bat, right? So you know, lots to like here, uh long way to go, but the grades play well defense is fine power is fine hit tool i say this to rob all the time i like to look at high school bats if they have the hit tool that's the big scouting stat i'm looking for out of high schools i don't care about the power it'll either be there or won't and and that'll be defined later but you're looking for diamonds in the rough you need to be targeting a hit tool and bracho's got it at 19 i agree yep. i like we I- Go ahead, man. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I think he's, uh, I think he's got a little more upside. Like Yu Chang is a guy who I always saw as like a floor player. Like I thought he had a role in the majors, but I didn't ever think it was going to be a, a, you know, a starter. Um, I do think that Bracho has that ability. Yeah. And we've got him at our 15th ranked uh, second base. So, and that's, okay. I mean, second base is the position we always say we wait until the shortstops fail and then they get moved over. But at yeah. the same time, a lot of second basemen end up becoming MLBers 
right. because they're on that path, right? They, yeah. they, yeah. you know, they, they've got a bat that doesn't, you know, that's, that's good, but the glove doesn't fit or, or what have you. So um, yeah, that's great. Good, good uh, to get through that Cleveland system. So some good names that we will have for the listeners there and give them time to make their claims or trade offers on Twitter or before we put it out on Twitter, but um, Dave, <laughs> how can people find you um, out there and how is it that you are posting content? Is it just at this moment through Twitter and then you did do the SP streamer um, <clears throat> draft kit? Is that everything that you've got out there right now? Yeah, right now, um, once the season starts, well, honestly with the, with the, I always do closer rankings and perspective guys and closer depth charts on the site uh, on Rose source as well. Um, I just haven't yet because there's so much up in the air still. Like, like right. guys are just signing right now. Um, so kind of once still I just, waiting on Rosenthal at this point in time too. I know right? like, exactly. And, exactly. And Osuna, yeah. There are good yep. closers, not on teams today. Yeah. But in the last week, there's been a bunch of dominoes that have fallen. So there's a, there's a lot of guys who have signed recently. So I think I'm kind of getting closer to the point where I can do that now. Um, so we put that out in season. We do, uh, two starters on, on Rose source as well. Like, for the current week, but then also for the following week as well. So like you're looking ahead a week so that you can pick those guys up a week early and stash them on your bench. Cause otherwise if you wait for the week of, you're going to be paying more. I mean, assuming you're in a league right. that yeah. you pay use fab for, then you're going to be paying more for them. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all my content is on Twitter. I actually applied for a job at uh fan So we'll see if I get it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So we nice. now have our stats insider. Sweet. There you go. <laughs> well, I tried several times during the interview to load fan graphs and it didn't work. So maybe you can oh, okay, sort that good. out. So it's not just me because I literally, I've tried to load several pages since then. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So well, I'm glad that it's not just me. Yeah. The last um, 40 minutes I've been unable to load anything through fan graphs. Yeah. But it's just because okay. they're trying to upload all of Dave's qualifications. Right. <laughs> down my server. Like, check out this resume here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so our last, our last point, last question here for you, Dave is um, what is your favorite fantasy related topic to discuss? Ooh, I mean, probably strategy. Um, it's something that that's uh, I've developed over the years because like before all these advanced stats came out, that's all we had, you know, I, <laughs> you know, you're talking like 15 years ago when I started playing, there was no, we, you know, you could watch your local team. There was no streaming. There was no, right. I couldn't see other, other teams. There was no saber metrics. There was no stat cast. All this stuff didn't exist. So in that time I've been developing my ability to create a team without needing to use those basically not using player evaluation, which sounds weird, but we have so much more tools at our fingertips now than we did 15 years ago. 15 years ago, you were just taking shots. You're like, okay, you're looking at the stats. This guy had a 340 average last year. This year he had a 270 average. Shit, I don't know, maybe like 300. I, I, you know, you're like trying to figure out how to do that. But what you can control is, you know, risks and, you know, roster construction, things like that, and how to approach different types of leagues and where you get your edges. And, and that's, that's a lot of what I'm I've developed really well over the years. And I think that's what gives me an edge to this day. And now that I have access to the information that's been missing that player evaluation part, uh, I become that much better. So um, I, I love talking strategy though. That's, that's, uh, that's what we talk about on our pod and that's, that's what we love to do. Excellent. 
Love it. Yeah, that's that's the underappreciated skill set of fantasy baseball. So I, I certainly agree. agree with you on that one. And I, I mean, Rob is so good at the dumpster diving that like it's gross. And I, I mean, I wish he could <laughs> contribute. It's to- called a waiver wire. Would you, would you say he's Would you say he's Robbie Grossman? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's well, sticking. I'm out. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing though. Like, yeah, it's one thing though, like to pick up waiver wire fodder and just for the sake of being loud and telling everybody how you know these things. But the right. guy gets it right, man. Like he does. He's good at it, and it's frustrating as all hell because you're like, who the hell is that guy? And then you play him the next <laughs> week and he dusts you with that said player. So it's like, it is what it is, right? Like I, I, yeah. I mean, I make it sound worse than it is when I say dumpster diving, but. I mean, he's other than Austin Voth, like everything else he does is usually pretty sound. <laughs> hey, man, I worked hard to get Alex Fast to be on my side about both. <laughs> keep keep in mind to that last yeah, start keep, of the year. Keep in mind he's an Orioles fan, so <laughs> there's that. He's he's in the area, yeah. He yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, I yeah, we we all. I mean, a lot of people were in on Austin Voth. I, I wasn't super in on him, but I, I I liked. You know, there's some things to like about him, so I get it. In a dynasty league, I just traded him with something else for a much more expensive um, Luis Severino. So five years of both at a buck, two bucks, four bucks, eight bucks. I traded that away to have four years of Severino at $20. And I thought that's a deal I'm willing to make at this point in time. Because if that K rate doesn't come back, Washington's just going to kick him out of the rotation. Mm -hmm. And that's all there is to it. Because they're not going to allow their window to expire with, you know, they'll make him a long man in the rotation or sorry, in the, in the bullpen instead of the rotation. So. Absolutely. Well, um, Dave, I think it's, uh, it's getting late in the eve and, and without a refill of the bourbon, I think it's a uh, time where we say thank you for joining us. We appreciate yeah. you getting on and having some good laughs with us. So we appreciate it. Make sure everybody heads over to Twitter, uh, follows run DMC, Add the D. D. Add the D. <laughs> it's like the double D. What are you trying to say there, Dave? I, I feel like I feel like like Dave is like the underlying spokesman for uh, Tinder. It's like don't forget to add the D. Uh, just, just ready to go. But um, I damn it, I. <laughs> I can't wait for his bio to be updated. Uh, <laughs> but that's a great spot to leave you, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Thank uh, you so will, much for having me, guys. We will see you out on the Twitterverse, but until next time, yes, it's sir. Rob yes, and sir. Tyler on Dingers. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go.